Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. And uh, today we've got a couple big stories to talk to you about. One of them is kind of a preview of what could be a bigger story on Monday. We're recording this on Saturday afternoon. Um, so the first one um, is an update on the Colin Kaepernick and now Eric Reed collusion lawsuit against the NFL. Yeah, so the big announcement, Mark Garagos, uh, both Reed and Kaepernick's attorney, said on Friday that he had a big announcement to make on Monday. And apparently the announcement is that one of their witnesses is ready to, quote unquote, drop a dime on the NFL. (laughs) Um, apparently whoever this witness is has like concrete evidence of collusion amongst the NFL owners to keep, um, I guess both Kaepernick and Eric Reed unemployed. Eric Reed has only been kind, has only been like consistently unemployed since the end of this the last season, season yeah. whereas Kaepernick's, um, unemployment has been going on for over a year now. So I'd be surprised if having already been sued by Colin Kaepernick, people would be stupid enough to put in writing that they are also colluding against Eric Reed, but as uh, a character whose name now escapes me from the movie Snatch, never underestimate the predictability of stupidity, Um, and so probably somebody did. Yes, and as we are going to discuss in one of our stories later in our podcast, people do put things in writing that they really shouldn't, so we're we're just previewing that for you. Um, yeah, so hopefully Monday's announcement will be super awesome and super interesting. Um, there's been some, like, not leaks necessarily, but uh, Jerry Jones's deposition testimony, or some of his deposition testimony came out in the news last week, basically saying that he talked to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is like, don't, you're going to lose this issue. The American people support me on this issue, so don't don't fight it or something like that. I can't remember the exact line. Yeah, let me see if I can find the exact statement. Um, so it was in a deposition where Jerry Jones was quoted as saying that the president told him, tell everybody you can't win this one, this one lifts me. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what that means, but... I guess, I, I don't know, he doesn't, he's a real loose grasp on like, the <laughs> English language, English language. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's not great, and um, as Jen and I were talking about before the podcast started today, before we started recording, um, and we'll get into this in a uh, another story about First Amendment versus just the private consequences of being an asshole, um, at, you know, the NFL, whether you agree with them or not has the as a private entity although it does benefit from significant government regulations um namely antitrust um waivers or however they frame them but nfl is a private organization they can set the rules that they want to set and if they want to tell their players you're not allowed to sit or kneel during the national anthem again if you think it's a bad idea good idea whatever they have the right to do that but when the president, you know, we have evidence that the president is... Yeah, essentially interfering or persuading them or somehow interjecting himself into this conversation, does that then turn what used to be a, an, a policy of a private employer yeah. into government interference and government regulation, which is not okay? So, you know, Steve Kerr was asked about this Um, the NFL policy that came out recently, which basically says that if you're going to be on the field during the national anthem, you have to stand. If you don't want to stand, you can be in the locker room or in the tunnel or elsewhere. So it's essentially giving people a choice, which is a terrible choice that they'd have to make. But, um, and also the rule says you have to stand and be respectful of the flag, mm -hmm. which also seems screwed up because I think the point that a lot of players have made is the implication is that by not standing you are disrespecting yes. the flag and the anthem in your country, which mm-hmm. is not actually what's happening. Yes. Um, and there are plenty of people who are not respectful of the flag that are in the stadiums. Yeah. People who are still buying pretzels and beer. People who are probably peeing or something. Yeah. Or I don't understand the yahoos who are like shouting out during the national anthem when it's like the exciting parts of the national anthem. Yeah. That's fairly disrespectful if we're going to play this game, yeah. right? So um, that's what Chicago Blackhawk fans do. They're like notorious yeah. for screaming at the like climax the, of the song. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that that's respectful if we're really going to play by the rules here. Um, but in any event, so Steve Kerr was asked about the NFL policy 
um, and how, and he basically came out and said stuff like, the NBA is different, we love our commissioner, he's really very, like, socially progressive, and, um, you know, this would never fly in the NBA, which is very odd of him to say because they actually have it written in their rules that they stand during the national anthem. But they can do that because that's a rule that they have decided to, you know, implement as part of their league. Mm-hmm. We're not, I don't have a problem if the NFL decided to adopt this rule. I have a problem with the fact that they, it feels like they've adopted the rule because of the insistence of the president. Right, and I think the value judgment included in the rule of this is how you respect the flag, yeah. and if you don't do it, you are disrespecting the flag, mm-hmm. is problematic. Yes. I've not read the exact text of the NBA's rule, but I think it, my understanding is it just says, like, you stand for mm-hmm. the anthem, which, okay, that's yeah. a kind of value judgment neutral rule, mm-hmm. um, and the commissioner does seem supportive of players protesting and I mean yeah. a number of teams wore after um, Eric Garner was killed mm-hmm. for those of you who um, don't remember he was a Staten Island uh, resident who was selling loose cigarettes on a street corner and was basically suffocated to death yeah. by an NYPD um, officer who is I believe still on the job um, and his last words were I can't breathe I can't breathe a number of basketball teams um, wore t-shirts that said I can't breathe including Mm -hmm. LeBron James Um, and you know no one blinked an eye um, from the commissioner's office at those types of protests so Mm -hmm. um, in that way I think the NBA rules yeah it doesn't seem problematic yeah well again I don't have a problem if you're going to make a rule as a private employer because that's your provenance to do the problem that I have is that if you're making this rule because you've essentially been bullied into it by the president, that becomes problematic because it violates the First Amendment. Yeah. yeah. And also bothers me as a Patriots fan, and I know, I know, uh, <laughs> that uh, the jet, the owner of the Jets, I think it's uh, the Chris GM, Johnson. Chris Johnson, the Johnson family owns them, but I want to say... Woody Johnson actually owns the team, and Chris Johnson is... Yeah, so Woody Johnson used to own them. I assume he still does, but he's now the ambassador right, to Great Britain. Right, he had to Britain. divest yeah. when he moved to Great Britain. Probably. Funny how he had to divest of his <laughs> interests, and other people did not. Um, but Chris Johnson... Not he might still have his interests. The rules seem to be like very loosely applied these days. I just think you can't own two teams at the same oh, time. Okay. Um, but Chris Johnson has said that if anyone on the Jets chooses to kneel during the anthem, that they will not be paying the fine. He and the, the team will pay the fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for him, but it makes me uncomfortable as a Patriots fan to be thinking that the Jets <laughs> have done anything that's good or worthy of praise, but here we are. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, the part of, so there's this big announcement about someone's going to drop a dime on the NFL, mm-hmm. um, It'll come out on Monday, so we'll be sure to update you as soon as um, we have a chance to digest all of that. I think that leading into, you know, basically what's happening this week between Roseanne and Samantha B mm-hmm. goes to illustrate the point that, I, that we've been making about how it's okay for ABC to decide to fire uh, Roseanne and, like, cancel her show because that's a decision made by a private entity. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can assume probably very safely that no one in the White House encouraged them to do this. Um, no, because, no one in the White House has come out to condemn what Roseanne said, so that's also fascinating. But mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, considering he has so much time to then come out and condemn what Samantha Bee said about Ivanka Trump, and the White House is out there saying that Samantha Bee should be fired. Fired and her TV show should be canceled. Mm-hmm. So for folks who um, have tried to ignore this particular piece <laughs> of news, um, I'm going to avoid repeating the expletives that have been used by, well, Roseanne was just racist. She didn't curse, but she um, compared Valerie Jarrett, who was um, a member of the Obama White House, who was an African-American woman, um, to a an ape. Um, she, uh the tweet was, was she, Muslim Brotherhood plus, plus Planet, Planet of the Apes, Apes equals VJ. Yeah. <laughs> so, fucking horrible. Should not, I mean, there's no getting around, there's no excuse. For the unbelievably yeah, racist. The blatant racism. And, 
National or Muslim Brotherhood. I guess it's xenophobic. Yeah, xenophobic. I know a lot of people refer to like anti-Muslim or Islamophobic anti-Muslim mm-hmm. statements as being racist, but I'm not sure that's quite accurate since being Muslim mm-hmm. isn't a race as it's, far as I'm aware. I could be wrong though. Please correct me, but I think it's a different type of hatred. Well, yeah, because it's a religion thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it's mm-hmm. still awful. She's an awful, awful person. None of this should have been news to ABC, oh, though. absolutely not. Since she was appeared in... What magazine was it where the pictures of her dressed up like Adolf Hitler with, like, burnt cookies in the shape of people? I'm going to say People magazine, but I don't know why I say that. I don't think... But it was, like, a staged photo shoot. Oh. Okay, definitely not People, then. Or maybe it was just reported in People. Probably. Yeah. She's an offensive, hateful lady. She says terrible things about um, trans people... She's she's just a, she perpetuates the yeah. worst conspiracies. Yeah, she's a lunatic bigot who never should have gotten a TV show in the first place, but she did. Um, ABC apparently hit its limit with this particular racist tweet. Um, yeah. As Michelle Wolf, who now has a TV show on Netflix, said, "Like it's you know the thousandth time she was racist. <laughs> that was the line that ABC drew in the sand." Um, Roseanne tried to blame her offensive tweet on Ambien and tweeting. Uh, a lot of people, including the maker of Ambien, have pointed out that racism is not a side effect of that drug. Uh, and now Roseanne is going around, like, you know, crying and complaining about all the pain she's suffering and how persecuted she's being. Um, but all of which is to make the point that ABC, a private entity, decided they didn't want to continue um, supporting the career of a racist garbage person uh to be to be perfectly honest abc probably did the cost benefit analysis and decided that roseanne is going to cost them more than what benefit she's going to bring them because obviously as you say her thousandth racist tweet was where they drew the line so they were fined up to 999 because she kept making them money at some point she wasn't going to make them any more money or this was going to drive away a lot of sponsors or what have you, and that's really probably what drove the decision. Although the president of ABC is an African-American woman, right? Yes, okay. Channing Dungy, who... Um, is she related to... Marin Dungy, who is famous for being... I mean, I remember her for being on Alias. Oh. She was Sydney Bristow's best friend. Oh, I was thinking more of whether or not she was related to... Oh, like, Tony, Tony Dungy. Not spelled the same. There's an oh, E there's in a. Channing okay. Dungy's last name. Oh, I loved Alias. So good. Mm-hmm. On a wholly unrelated note, and I don't know why I'm talking about this, Jennifer Garner is going to be in a new film called Peppermint, the um, premise of which is that her family gets murdered by a drug cartel, her husband and daughter, and she uh, tries to fight them, gets thrown out because everybody's corrupt, the whole legal system is in the pocket of the drug cartel. And, and she's so become like a super She bad. becomes a vigilante. Oh, sweet. Oh, and uh, understanding that like the, uh, the racial overtones of that film i'm going to accept that it's going to be a problematic favorite movie of mine and watch it anyway because it looks fucking awesome and one of her lines when one of the uh cartel members like what are you gonna do she's like i'm gonna come and kill all of you and then i'll just wing it from there (laughs) this is gonna be great well anytime that like jennifer gardner gets to be kick ass is just excellent in my book yes she's tremendous um so wow that was a real that was a real (laughs) tangent um the other thing to remember about ABC is this is also the same network that refused to air an episode of the TV show yeah. Blackish that talked about the Colin Kaepernick police brutality protests. Exactly. So like they're not the good guys, no. they're just the They just they made a decision. They could be worse. Yeah, they could be worse and they made a decision that was probably beneficial to their yeah. bottom line, but it also generates like good PR for them. Right. Because of this other thing. Um yeah. contrast, <laughs> contrast that with what is happening to Samantha B, who I actually didn't see the episode, so... Um, so Samantha B. Uh, to take a step back, Ivanka Trump, well, to take another further step back, <laughs> recently in the news there's been a lot of coverage of the um, Trump administration's uh, policy of separating... Forcibly. Forcibly separating children from their parents at the border, um, including folks who are coming into this country seeking asylum, which means these are not people who are trying to, like, sneak across the border. They're not these, like, monstrous criminals that everybody in the uh, administration likes to believe they are. These are folks who are saying, I'm here, I need help, and they're having their children ripped away from them. Fucking monstrous. But we're not a political podcast. (laughs) You know where we stand. So, while this is all in the news, Ivanka... 
in her all of her great wisdom posts a photo of herself holding her youngest child in her arms mm -hmm. um smiling saying my love this is you know happy sundays or something to like best case scenario she's just tone deaf worst case scenario she is i mean she's obviously complicit in her um, father's administration not just because he's her dad but because she She's works a, for yeah, him she is a member of his of the administration and it's just truly awful um so samantha b has a tv show on um tbs called full frontal with samantha b and uh she in one of these segments on the show referred to ivanka trump i believe is a feckless c-word <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which, it's just, I, I know it's jarring for American ears. I love that people in England use it. Yes. It's just a normal run-of-the-mill insult. Yep. I believe it is a word that women should take back. Uh, but this caused a uh, significant amount of controversy because it's, Samantha B. the that particular expletive is, is kind of the uh, third rail of curse words in America, or at least it was for a while. It was for a while, but I think for... Women, women does yeah. yeah it feels very third raily plus i mean she went after donald trump's like favorite child right right because if he had called eric jr the c-word i don't think that, nobody like, would have cared yeah, no one would have cared um so long story short the white house went became up in arms over use yeah. of this um derogatory term to refer to ivanka and um both president trump and sarah huckabee sanders she of the uh, being offended by being called a liar by a comedian <laughs> wanted her fired too um, is horrified by this and they were calling for Samantha B to be fired have her TV show canceled mm -hmm. Samantha B did apologize for using that she word she should have doubled down I'm sorry no I wish she hadn't she was yeah. like it crossed a line no, yada 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 she really is one no. <laughs> um, calling spades spades and what's particularly frustrating is that Donald Trump has used that word mm -hmm. to um, refer to women in a derogatory manner, yes. um, as has Trump supporter, yes. you know, number one, Ted Nugent. Yes, called Hillary Clinton the C-word, and yep. then after that he was invited to the White House. Yeah. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares. It's only a problem when someone that Trump doesn't like yeah. is it. Oh, no, the hypocrisy is just mind-boggling. Um, the, and the reason we were talking about this is that people are um, infuriated that Samantha Bee isn't losing her job um, and that, uh, you know, it's completely acceptable for the White House to be using government resources to try and get this woman fired. The problem is that that is a... That is very clearly, a, I think, a violation of the First Amendment. This mm -hmm. is a government agent, people acting on behalf of the U.S. government. At the highest level. Trying to interfere with free speech. speech. You might not like the speech, but you as government officials can't stop it. So yeah. maybe Donald Trump could just, like, quit and then go back to, you know, shouting about people from yeah. the uh, privacy of his home. That's right. I mean, he could decide to quit and like go and buy TBS and then go ahead and fire yep. Samantha B and cancel her show. That would be totally within his ability to do as a private person and a private employer. But as the president, no, he doesn't get to go around regulating our speech. Nope. Nope. Um, and show me the lie in what Samantha B <laughs> said also. Uh, truth is an absolute defense to, well, defamation, not First Amendment <laughs> violation. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that sort of combination of stories with the president interfering with celebrities yeah. and sports. Also, before we move on to a totally different topic, um, this quote or deposition has not been reported on nearly as extensively as Jerry Jones, but um, Stephen Ross, who is the uh, Miami Dolphins owner, mm -hmm. testified in his deposition, quote, I was totally supportive of the players until Trump made his statement. Um, he noted that in the owner's conversations with Mr. Trump, um, they were being relayed during a league meeting that he thought that Trump changed the dialogue. And it's really just pathetic that these, like, these people allow themselves to be bullied by yeah, or they just, yeah. fucking clown. <laughs> um, yeah, so... That's really... So, I think we've talked about this on a previous podcast, but there is... And I think it was with respect to Colin Kaepernick about like basically government interference and hiring decisions mm -hmm. late based on like political positions and stances like that. And I think it was 
like you couldn't actually connect the dots. It's like yeah. it's a much harder case to prove. But I think the collusion cases, well, hopefully as of Monday. Yeah, I'm very excited to see who <laughs> his witnesses. Mm-hmm. What the uh... like? The, basically, I want a giant spreadsheet with all the teams who have said no and like. You know, oh, because we talked to Trump or because, like, the Trump administration called us and, like, told us not to do it. And then the league called us to tell us not to do this because they've talked to Trump. It's, it'll be awesome. Yeah, and I, like, the, I mean, my recollection is that the, um, the Seahawks were the closest to signing Kaepernick last season, mm-hmm. but then made a pitch. They, their excuse for not signing him as the backup was, like, he's too good to be a backup. Yeah. Um, and it was, and yeah. someone, I don't know if this was a league source or just somebody I was talking to, also made the point that, like, Kaepernick would need to play in a particular offense and, like, you can't establish that kind of offense on behalf of your backup quarterback. Um, all of it was, yeah, It's it was just, just a lot of BS. Uh, Pete Carroll's been doing some interesting things recently. I don't know if you saw. He, I mean, isn't Pete Carroll, like, a 9-11 He is a 9-11 truther. <sighs> but his most recent thing is that he basically issued... Not a press release, but, um, like, it looks like a press release on his Instagram, mm-hmm. basically talking about the power of empathy. Oh. And it's just paragraph after paragraph about, it doesn't really say anything. It's just a bunch of words that are strung together that sound kind of coherent, but it actually says nothing. It's, um, it's just, it's really strange. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what's happening. It's. The new em- a new empathy is what he's calling it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, uh, NHL? Yes. So, um, who? The NHL, as uh, when we were preparing for the podcast, I think Jen's response to my suggestion of this story was like, how is it the NHL can make the NFL look bad? <laughs> um, and uh, so recently, the NHL, much like the NFL, is the subject of a, um, uh, a lawsuit related to concussions of former players. And I think they're... I read through all the pleadings, and at one point there were multiple, I think there are multiple um, lawsuits involving both leagues. Uh, I haven't read all the pleadings in them, but it's largely, you know, former players who are taking the position that back when they played, they had no idea um, the types of trauma they could be and would suffer um, as a result of playing and the hits they were taking. Uh, but that the NHL, the leagues did know and kept that information from them and now should be responsible for uh, paying for their ongoing medical care. And as is a common theme with the um, NHL, their executives don't seem to understand that uh, emails live forever. And when you're involved in the lawsuit, those emails become discoverable. And then it's really fucking uh, terrible when it all gets disclosed. So embarrassing. And there are actually two, um, I think, separate sets of problematic emails. Mm -hmm. Um, At the center of both is, well, not so much at the center, but involved in both is um, the infamous Colin Campbell, (laughs) who we've talked about previously um, on this podcast and his problematic email etiquette. Uh, So the first story... Um, we have is uh, that even though this concussion lawsuit has been going on for years and years and years, the owners are still denying that they um, have anything to, they know anything about CTE Mm -hmm. or the damage that the concussions are causing. Um, In particular, we have Jeremy Jacobs, who is the owner of my beloved Boston Bruins, but he is a fucking nightmare. Um, (laughs) He's the head of the company Delaware North, which sued Yosemite in order to, uh, they were arguing. Oh, yeah. So Delaware North is a concessions company. They used to run all of the uh, hotels and um, concessions out at Yosemite. They lost in a contract rebidding, I guess, to Aramark and then tried to argue that they had a trademark on the name Yosemite and that the National Park had to change its name. They lost that piece of the lawsuit. But Why, why would you? Yeah. That's just... <laughs> Um, so he, Jeremy Jacobs, has been deposed um, on, he has been deposed in the CTE, the concussion lawsuit with the NHL. He said that he um, met with the representatives of the NHL prior to his deposition, and he had never heard of CTE, um, never heard it discussed in any NHL meetings. 
um, asked they asked him whether he was aware that CTE also it's an acronym for chronic traumatic encephalopathy had been found in the brains of former football players. I don't know. How about former professional hockey players? I don't know. Um, then the uh, depositions just kind of go on from there, becoming worse and worse and worse. Um, but there are details revealed in the uh, the depositions that. Um, Numerous teams have been fined for breaking the league's concussion protocol. Um, that the NHL, uh, excuse me, that the team, one of the teams, New Jersey Devils, failed to do mandatory preseason baseline neurological tests and only did so because they were getting harassed by the league into doing it. Um, the there are members of the player safety department, including Brendan Shanahan, who used to be the head of the player safety department. Yeah, who's a my delight. One of my beloved Red Wings. Um, he now is the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He said that um, there were NHL enforcers who reached out to him to say that they were afraid for their lives after um, a number of former enforcers had committed suicide. Um, he could not remember the names of any of those people who reached Maybe out to him. Maybe because he's suffering from CTE. I know. <laughs> Brendan Shanahan was like a tough guy, but not yeah. really an enforcer, but I'm sure he suffered some brain well, trauma. Yeah, I mean, if you're... The whole idea that, like, you yeah. grow up and you're playing a contact sport where oftentimes your head hits other hard things, including ice, like, yeah. really. And they're discovering, like, it doesn't need... So the NHL has a rule against... Um, you get... Uh, I think it's a major penalty if you have a direct hit to someone's head, but now they're seeing that, like, you don't have to just hit the person's no, head. If you hit him in the shoulder, even if you hit somebody in the yeah, chest. It's, the, it's basically the whiplashing. It causes your brain, brain to rattle in your head. head. Yeah. As I'm shaking my head violently <laughs> while we're talking about this, probably not a good idea. Non contact. She's yeah. doing it on her own. Um, their co-owner for the Nashville Predators testified that he doesn't think there needs to be a medical study of NHL retirees from a legal or moral standpoint, but it might be smart business. <laughs> that um, is horrible. Lou Lamorello, who at the time of this testimony um, was the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, said that the Maple Leafs had a team employee named Jeremy Bettle, who is director of sports science and performance, was an in-arena concussion spotter. I'm not really sure what that means. Um, Glenn Sather, who at the time was the general manager of the New York Rangers, was asked whether the NHL should study the mental health of its retirees. He testified, yeah, I could probably think of about two or three million reasons. Um, he said that such a study would be very expensive. He testified that neither the Rangers nor the Edmonton Oilers track concussions suffered by players. He used to be the GM of the Oilers as well. Um, because generally the players were only there for a year or two. He was not aware of any minor league um, teams need to follow concussion protocols. Bill Daly, who was like second in command of the commissioner in the NHL, um, testified that he never asked the NHL alumni um, president to forward emails revealing how some former players were trying to recruit others to join the NHL concussion lawsuit. Um, the Alumni Association president apparently did forward those emails to Daly, which is not great. Um, he... There were other emails that came out, too, right? Um, Colin Campbell, um, I know I read a couple of them where essentially he blames players for getting hit in the head, for, like, failing to keep their heads up when they're yes. being hit. Yes, so the um, Colin Campbell, again, notorious for apparently not understanding, I think in a different lawsuit... <laughs> Um, he actually testified that he didn't realize that, like, when he sent an email out, it, there was still an electronic record of the email because the emails he sent were so bad. People were like, do you not know that <laughs> folks can read these? Um, but, yeah, he's kind of notorious for um, believing that people, it's players, or it's kind of on them for, yeah, not yeah, keeping their heads up. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, you're watching a pass happen and then you get hit or you're skating with your head down. Um, Head on a swivel. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it's their fault that they get terribly injured. Another sort of problematic aspect to this story is Pat LaFontaine, who is a Hockey Hall of Famer. Um, he was participating in a documentary called Making of a Royal um, about his coaching a midget hockey team. And Pat LaFontaine, actually, his career ended because of concussions. He was a star for the Buffalo Sabres and got hit 
Um, I believe it was kind of one major hit that sort of knocked him out of the league, but, you know, to the point where for years he couldn't, like, sit in bright rooms. Oh. Um, really sad end to his um, his career, but he's recovered. Um, I think he was the one who spearheaded the Pope coming to issue some kind of proclamation about the NHL. That Did we talk about that or on the pod or just I don't think so. in life? I think maybe in life. Um, can I back up for a second? Sure. When you say that he ran a midget hockey league, I'm assuming that's little kids. Oh, yes. That's the name of the hockey. That's like, like a, a, a wee level. Okay. Yes. Not um, not referring to the uh, size or um, potential dwarfism of the players. Okay. <laughs> not a team full of midgets, no. Okay. Um, so I wanted to check. That's a fair question. <laughs> um, so this documentary show was airing on, among other things, the NHL Network and NHL.com. And LaFontaine, um, as part of this, talked about his experience with concussions. And there's a whole raft of emails where there are people from the NHL demanding that information or comments get taken out of the episodes before they air, including a comment um, from LaFontaine where he said, once you get a concussion, you're four to six times more likely to get another one. And it's probably exponential from there. Um, the Pat LaFontaine also had a closing quote that said, a lot less mothers and fathers cringing, wondering when's the next ambulance going to go out, must go. That was an email from Ryan, um, excuse me, from Frank oh. Brown, who is the NHL vice president of media relations to video producer Ryan Bader. Uh, these were all disclosed as part of a um, transcript of a deposition um, of Gary Neeger, who is the NHL public relations executive. Um, this was held back in 2015. Meager was asked, why would Frank Brown from your communications group want these quotes to be deleted from a video that was being produced by the NHL? Meager responded, I don't have an answer. <laughs> it's just awful that they are yeah. so adamant and so vehement about like this not being a problem in their industry. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't. Yeah, I mean, you see these guys, like, they're obvious, you, you'll watch sometimes, because they, there are teams that clearly don't follow the mm -hmm. protocol, the concussion protocol, which is, you're supposed to take people off the ice and make them sit in a dark room to see how they're recovering, and you'll see folks, I mean, sitting on the bench, their eyes are not able to focus, they don't, don't seem to know what the hell is going on, but we are meant to assume that that's, they're okay, they're yeah, fine. They're fine. Um, Brendan Shanahan w appeared in this TV show, um, there was a clip in which he said there's a tremendous amount of peer pressure if you've got a banged up shoulder or a banged up knee, yeah. it's sort of like, look, your ankle heal over the summer, get through this for us, but I think when there's a head injury, the brotherhood wants to come together and protect the guy with the head injury. Brown sent an email, all caps, saying the following must be deleted. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he wanted to cut part of Shanahan's quote that said, um, this might not end over the summer. This might affect him for the rest of his life. This might end his career. Um, and Shanahan also talked about a clip that showed him on the ice at an NHL game looking up and looking dazed. That's what Brown flipped out about in particular. Um, Meager's explanation was it's our job as communications people to promote the league and promote the game. Do you think like the NHL attorneys were like just freaking out because their idiot client is sending all of these emails? Probably. I, I mean, mean, I don't even know what you... I've had to produce emails that, you know, sometimes... I've never had like a smoking, I and mean, this isn't quite a smoking gun, but I've never but, had emails like this, but even ones that are just like personally embarrassing, mm -hmm. you don't really have a reason to hold them back because yeah. you don't get to judge the relevance, but it's like, oh God, this is really yeah. terrible. Um, yeah, so I can only imagine. I That's mean, this is really terrible. Many, many millions of dollars. Well, this is great, so, and I, you may be able to tell. I, <laughs> the TSN um, in Canada, which is the sort of their equivalent to ESPN. Um, is doing a really extensive series on the concussion lawsuit concussions oh. in hockey, so that's why this news seems to have been bubbling up this week. Um, so a lot of my source material is TSN, in particular um, reporter Rick Westhead, uh, but another one, oh my god, there's a PowerPoint presentation that Gary Meager gave in 2009 at a GM meeting that says uh, there's apparent marketing or additional multimedia in more than 5% of the fights in our NHL games. Examples of in-arena things you can do are playing boxing bells before the first punch is thrown, <laughs> drums and cymbals sound every time the home player lands a punch, playing songs such as Bloody Sunday by U2, We Salute You by ACDC, Raise a Little Hell by Trooper, 
never heard of. Um, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor and Fight for Your Right by the Beastie Boys. Bites generate crowd noise and enthusiasm. Additional multimedia and arenas, include, including replays, prolong that spike. Um, then, this is real bad, uh, two months after Wade Belak, who is an enforcer in the NHL, um, committed suicide in October of 2011, uh, and he was the third uh, NHL player to prematurely die in three months oh, based yeah, on I remember that. brain injuries. Um, Bernadette Mansour, who was an executive in the NHL's PR department, sent an email to Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, Gary Meager, and Frank Brown uh, with the subject line, NHL Community Charitable Associations and Messaging, in which she said, uh, in part, because of the recent player suicides and deaths, we must now con be considered the poster child for mental illness. Huh. The rest of her email has been sealed by court order. Wow. Um, there's a medical consultant, Wilhelm um, Mewis, it's a very German or Dutch last name, I guess, reviewed an internal NHL spreadsheet that showed a number of NHL players had returned to the same games in which they had suffered concussions, to which he responded, wow, in all caps. <laughs> this is a completely different picture than we get from injury data. He, that email was responded to by Chris King, who used to play for the Maple Leafs, among other teams, NHL Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations, who said, I think we should keep this new spreadsheet very tight to this group going <laughs> forward. Does anyone disagree? Uh, the information in the wrong hands wouldn't be a good thing, in my opinion. Looking for comments or advice. Um, add your attorney to the email for crying out loud. I know, this is... Really terrible. Not that that necessarily is going to shield all of your communications, but it just yes, yes. It's and the um, Colin Campbell involvement in this incident. <laughs> um, he received, which is atypical. Usually, he's the one sending stupid emails. Mm -hmm. He received an email from Brian Burke. <laughs> not doing much for the name in this um, situation. When he was, uh, Brian Burke was the uh, GM of the Anaheim Ducks at the time he mm -hmm. sent this email and that. said, uh, the media have goaded the NHL into this. They will continue to goad you to raise the bar again. They will expletive kill us when we have totally removed hitting from the game and our buildings are half full and our ratings are even worse than they are now, if that's even possible. Is that the one where he called them a Greenpeace puke? I believe it was. Yeah. Um, Colin Campbell likes calling people pukes. I believe he referred to Mark Savard, uh, former player for the Atlanta Thrashers and the Boston Bruins, whose career ended because of concussions, a um, gutless puke for hitting his son, Gregory Campbell, who also played for the Bruins. Oh. Um, and he, Maybe that that's was, what we were talking about? That was the first set of emails that got him into a lot of trouble. I think where that he was, was the like story that we Colluding to get refs yeah. um, to call more penalties on people who hit his son. <laughs> nope, that was the story we talked yeah. about way, way back right. in the early days of our pod. And Gregory Campbell um, is probably most famous for playing on a literally broken leg. He got hit in the shin with a shot and didn't come off because he couldn't get off the ice because he could barely oh. walk. He was just like throwing himself around to try and block shots with his broken leg. Um, and because the NHL was fucked up, they thought that was a he was like a hero. Well, that's kind of part of the culture, right? For not only the NHL, but the NFL. Like the idea that if you can't come out because you're a warrior and if you did, you look weak and blah, blah, blah. Um, is puke a really derogatory term in Canada? It might be. Okay. I'm just curious because yeah. I... Americans don't use that, just like we don't have children named Gord. That's true. I stopped you saying puke when I was, like, maybe eight. Like, things were pukey, yeah. right? Yeah, so I'm uh, glad that Mr. Campbell hasn't grown out of it. No, no. He, uh, hopefully he'll learn his... Well, I don't know. I mean, they do bad things, so I'm kind of glad that he has this written sort of paper trail of, <laughs> of, this paper trail of his improper behavior. It's going to end him. Um, what's when the is he going to get fucking fired, well, right? That's what I was just going to ask you. What's, what's the next step in the... Are they so they're basically it looks like discovery, right? Yes, yeah, so it appears that they are still going through discovery. Um, I mean, these lawsuits have been going on for years and years, although that's not unsurprising. No, um, huge I would, class action with medical stuff. Yeah, I would think based on all this horrible evidence, like at one point, the process the plaintiff's attorney asked, Did you get a lot of emails where somebody <laughs> like Chris King or someone else at the NHL is saying, If this gets into the wrong hands, it wouldn't be a good thing? <laughs> To which the the PR guy responded, I don't know how many of those emails I might have received. Oh, my God. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of an opinion question. The answer is, no, I don't think I've received many emails. <laughs> what do you mean by the word many? <laughs> Objection, vague, yeah. to many. <laughs> um, but you would think, I mean, this is such a disaster. Yeah, it's... You would think they would just want to settle it. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, because honestly, the NFL, they're trying to settle their concussion lawsuit. And there was, you know, the judgment had to be approved or the settlement had to be approved by the judge. And, you know, there was back and forth about that. But I would imagine that they were at least smart enough to be like, look, we're just going to pay whatever billions of dollars because we don't want any of these emails leaking out. No. We don't want, like, the endocrinologist that we hired to be like, oh, yeah. Whoa, that's really bad. <laughs> that's right. Also, what kind of stupid doctor writes that in an email? Again, there's not, like, you're not talking to your patients yeah. And there's not just a privilege because I'm a doctor and yeah. I send emails out. That's right. So. There's no priest in the room. There's no lawyer in the room. No. It's just, oh. It's, yeah. Anyway, thanks for bearing with us <laughs> and listening to all these ridiculous emails and deposition questions. But it's real bad for the NHL. It and is. I don't know if it's just like a bunch of old dudes who have been doing this forever and just feel like fighting and hitting is a part of our culture and we're not going to fucking settle this. Well, I mean, it's it's really commonplace because I listen to Michael Wilbon on Pardon the Interruption all the time about how they're legislating hits out of football and how that's not the football he grew up with. And I'm just like, well, if you want to pay for the like health care of the person who has ALS or whatever, go for it because football's not going to survive because... If you continue to allow them to hit like that. Um. Well, now, guys playing, and I say guys since they're only men in the professional leagues, um, play, those folks playing now, like, they don't have, they can't say we didn't know. Yeah, exactly. It's so much worse for them. And you, I, I know there are some folks who have retired from the NFL at relatively young ages and were Chris still... Chris playing or still you know they weren't run out of the league like they made an affirmative choice i don't want to do this anymore because yeah. i'm worried about my health um but then you hear other people who say like i have a chance to be if i manage my money correctly which we have previously discussed not all professional athletes do but mm -hmm. i have a chance to be set for life based on my physical skills for three years like i'll roll the dice yeah. um and yeah the whole thing is just sad it is but sad um, so it, we are at game three of the Stanley Cup. I believe game three is on tonight. It's, yep, between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals. Yep. Um, so I can't... This seems like the NHL concussion lawsuit news is really not getting as much airtime during the Stanley Cup. As I would imagine, but maybe because I'm not watching the right channel. Nothing about hockey really gets that That's much news coverage true. in the States. Um, like this game, I'm just checking. This game isn't even on like oh, broadcast yeah. TV. It's on NBC it's Sportsnet Sports uh, or Sports Network. Yeah. Although are all no all the NBA Finals games are on ABC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a totally unrelated question about like why um, championship games are not on TV that everybody can watch, but. Yeah, aside, I mean, um, it's hockey, and it's America. Yeah, and I don't know, so in Canada, you've got multiple networks, mm -hmm. and I don't believe they all are partnered with the NHL um, to air games, so I don't know, I'm not sure how many games, or what TSN's relationship is with the NHL, and why, if maybe that's why they have the freedom or ability or their people who run them just have journalistic ethics <laughs> and let them do the work. Um but yeah, I agree. This has not been very widely covered on uh, on American TV yeah. and in the American news. Although one of the tweets that turned me on to this story was from Greg Wyshynski, who covers oh, yeah. the NHL for ESPN. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of contrasted with the fact that the NBA Finals are going on. And the Brian Colangelo story literally like broke Twitter <laughs> the other right. day. There's no leak. They're not... There is an article written by Michael McCann, of course, of Sports Illustrated, that sort of talks about um, the potential legal implications of the Brian Colangelo story. Taking a step back, it was released on The Ringer earlier this week that there is the distinct possibility that Brian Colangelo, who is the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, may be the owner of several burner Twitter accounts, and through these burner Twitter accounts basically tweeted... He didn't necessarily tweet, but he responded to some things that people were saying, and in response to those tweets, 
release like confidential medical information for some of those players, criticize some of these like like current players and former players, criticize Sam Hinkie. And did he was it Okafor where the he, little Okafor yeah, yeah where he was saying like Okafor is gonna fail if they're they trying to trade him and there were yeah. this one Twitter account was saying Okafor is gonna fail a physical you ask when this trade yeah. doesn't go through ask, ask him, why not yeah, ask him about his physical um, um, yeah and uh, and then also basically laying out the Sixers uh, draft strategy like a month before the draft so Which, that seems like it would hurt him like yeah. I can see uh, the disclosing private me- potentially private medical information about Jalil Okafor is I think the most troubling of all of these things but it sort of makes sense from the perspective of it makes the team it would make the team look better if it was Okafor having a yeah medical problem but disclosing your draft strategy yeah, seems that like seems, a mistake. Well, so he also talked about like the traumatic um, childhood or events in Markel Fultz's life right. which has led to the fact that he can't shoot a basketball from like you know more than three feet away from the basket. Yeah, what he was like forced to like lay down on the ground yeah. and mm-hmm. shoot, which it sounds like reminiscent of Tim Lincecum's dad. <laughs> oh, that's right, and doing with his crazy pitch mm-hmm. motion, and now yeah. he's out of the league. He or is he playing for the Astros? He now? might be. Like maybe their is farm it? team. Yeah. Yeah. So in any event, uh, that that basically shook NBA Twitter for the week and. Um, and you know, LeBron and Kevin Durant were all asked about like, what their thoughts are were on this, and they're like, "Dude, we have a championship to play for. We can't talk to you about this." So that's why I was wondering about how much of an impact it had on the current series, you know, and the Stanley Cup final, because it seems like it would be a big deal because this is like the health of the workforce. And yeah, and there was an incident in Game One in which yes, I saw that one. Tom Wilson, who oh. He's just a, he has a lot of bad hits. He um, hit a player for Vegas, um, Marchessault, whose first name is escaping me at the moment. Anyway, he hit him. He didn't have the puck. Um, Marchessault had to go into the quiet room and was taken out of the game. Now the Vegas Golden Knights won um, like six to four, but Tom Wilson has a history of being suspended for improper hits. And he didn't get in trouble for this one. Uh I don't even think they called a penalty. Nope, he didn't even go into the sin bin. And then uh, someone else, there was another bad hit um, by the Caps on the, uh, I think it was by the Caps on the Golden Knights, and someone asked Marcheseau about it, to which he responded, at least he had the puck when he got hit. <laughs> so. So pointed. Yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger there, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, the Golden Knights have been around, not even if this is their first season <laughs> playing, so um, haven't had time to develop too many big rivalries, but um, that's. This might be, yeah, yeah, this might be a thing. But I think this is. Other than, um, you know, having some really great villains, this is largely like a feel-good story. The Caps have been trying ever since Alex Ovechkin started playing for them in, mm-hmm. you know, the early 2000, the early aughts. <laughs> they've been trying to get to the Stanley Cup final. They've gotten, they've barely been able to get out of the first round. That's right. They get knocked out by the, Pittsburgh when they Penguins. do, they get knocked out by the Pittsburgh <laughs> Penguins. They are finally in the final, and then they are up against... Um, and their coach, Barry Trotz, is like a real delight. Everybody loves him. And they're up against a freaking expansion <laughs> team who, when asked about, like, what his hopes were for his team, the uh, the owner at the start of the season said, you know, like, we want to be in the playoffs in five years. We want to be competing for a Stanley Cup shortly after that. Like, this year, we're just really looking to, like, we want to lose games, like, one by one or two goals, not get blown out. Like, pretty reasonable expectations. Um, and yeah, they're they're now tied. Yes, one uh, a game apiece. But I mean, it is an expansion team with an asterisk because of the way that the specialty draft went for them. And right, I mean, right. so it wasn't like they literally just got people off of farm teams to on their roster. I mean, like Mark Andre Fleury is their goalie. Right, James Neal is one yeah. of their better known forwards. Listen to me talk hockey. I know <laughs> this is amazing. Um, he so the what's. Another interesting wrinkle to this is that George McPhee, who is the mm-hmm. GM of Las Vegas, was the GM of the, the Capitals, Capitals before yeah. he became the GM of Las Vegas. And I believe the current Vegas GM was like his college roommate or something. They were good friends. And um, he, uh, McPhee, leading up to the expansion draft, um, 
worked out trades with certain teams to say like, all right, I'm going to trade. You give me X, Y, and Z players, and I will commit to not selecting oh, this person mm-hmm. from your expansion draft. Because the way the expansion draft in the NHL works is that you can only protect like a certain number of position of players in each position. Like you can protect one goalie, um, you can protect just, like, just a handful of defensemen and forwards. And so, a lot of teams, there were people they would have like yeah. they didn't want to lose, but they couldn't protect them. Yeah, so which is just nuts. Um, so, yeah, that was a big rabbit trail that we, a rabbit hole that we went down yeah. for NBA and the NHL playoffs. But, really, please, people, watch Championship Week um, is happening. It's been really fun hockey, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're really high-scoring games. Right, it was, the first game was 6-4. Mm-hmm. Now, these are two pretty good goalies, so that was a little bit surprising. But Braden Holtby, who's the Capitals goalie, had not let him go in, like, four games. So yeah. he was due for a collapse. It's fair um, enough. Yeah, and there was a really good save in the second game. Yeah. Um, and oh, it's Jonathan Marcheseau. So there oh, we go. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, they're back in Washington for Game Three, which is tonight on NBC Sports Network. We're not being sponsored by them or anything, but watch some you know championship hockey. Uh, game Two for the NBA is tomorrow night here at Oracle. Uh, I think it's like a five thirty start on ABC. Maybe um, it's five o'clock. No. Um, hopefully, J.R. Smith. Well, no, it's kind of fine. He wants to continue being the new Chris Webber, where yeah. he doesn't know or Chris Webber. what's happening. I mean, yeah. no, I know. Now he's, he's, uh, he's a... Was he in the Hall of Fame? Chris Webber? He's yeah. He's a commentator on these yeah, games, he is. isn't he? I think he might have made the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I was referring to when he called the timeout when he had none left when in the championship game when yes. he played for Michigan, yeah. and uh, they got a technical foul and lost. Much like J.R. Smith held the ball when the game was tied, they were not winning, and uh, <laughs> they went to overtime and lost. Yes. Um, so, what was their fourth big story? Oh, Kurt Cobain's. Oh, yeah, this ex- is a really good one. God, we talked about concussions for a long time. Sorry, folks. Um, so, Kurt Cobain. Uh, yes, of Nirvana, uh, early, you know, grunge pioneer. Um, he was married to Courtney Love, and they had a child, Frances Bean. Right. Who was an adult now. Yes, who's all grown up. And was married to a guy named Isaiah Silva. Who uh, just sounds like such a jerk. Right. So they got married. Um, they're both quite young, but, you know, whatever. They got married. They got divorced. And as part of the divorce settlement, um, Isaiah Silva insisted upon getting ownership of one of Kurt Cobain's guitars. Um, which he had, I mean, he left everything to his daughter, um, but this was, you know, an iconic guitar. I want to say, am I making it up? It was no, the one he used in the MTV is. Unplugged performance. Yep, it um, is. And, yeah, like, insisted on getting this goddamn guitar, which I guess to complete her divorce, Frances Bean ultimately gave him. Yes, and so she doesn't provide spousal support for him. And it was really essentially to get the divorce proceedings over with. He would literally walk away with just that guitar, no spousal support. And, like, that would be, like, all she wrote. Which, fair enough. It just, I don't know, it makes me sad that she had to give up something of the dad that she never got to know. Since he, I mean, shuffled off this mortal coil when she was quite young. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a, it's just a really sad story. But the plot (laughs) thickens. It gets so weird. Because um, Isaiah Silva has now sued Courtney Love. Her manager, Sam Lufty, who um, is famous for somehow contributing to Britney Spears' mental breakdown back in oh. the, the 2007, I think is when she Oh, with the umbrella and the... Public mm-hmm. collapse. Actor Ross Butler, who is uh, stars on 13 Reasons Why, and John, John Nazarian, who's a private investigator, and musician Michael Shank, uh, among other people, for conspiring to kill him with the intent of stealing back the guitar... Um, he is also alleging that this group engaged in burglary, robbery, sexual battery, kidnapping, attempted murder, criminal threats, false imprisonment, extortion, stalking, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and trespass. Uh, so the complaint has been filed. No one has filed, or at least Courtney Love has not filed an answer yet. Um, no one has been criminally charged. No, this is all a civil complaint. Um, Silva says that Sam Lufty, Russ Butler, and a person named Jan Juchtman, entered into a criminal conspiracy to commit trespass, burglary, home invasion, assault, battery, kidnapping, and murder against him to take the guitar back on the morning of June 3rd. 
I don't know if that's the upcoming or tomorrow or June 3rd of a prior year. Yeah, I don't know. Because maybe he caught on to them before maybe. they actually did it. Um, he says that they were going to kidnap him from his home to end any potential claims he might have um, against Francis Bean. Does he have inside information that they were also going to sexually assault him? Because that is one of his like causes of action. Right. Well, he also said that they assaulted and caused physical injury to his mother with the intent of terrorizing and intimidating him. None of the people who have been involved in that accusation um, have responded to a request for comment. Silva, oh, Silva alleges that Sam Lefty grabbed his genitals through his pants and said, listen, expletive for a gay person, calm the fuck down or we'll drag you upstairs and take turns um, sexually assaulting oh, you. Okay. So that might be where those claims okay. are coming from. Um, apparently they kidnapped him from his home, threw him into a black Escalade. Uh, police were called... And then Sam Lefty, oh, all right, so it must have been June 3rd of a prior year. Sam Lefty came up with a story that intended to prevent the police from arresting him. Um, and Lefty threatened his life, his mother's life, and the life of his, and by him in this context, I mean Isaiah Silva, um, his daughter. Uh, Wait, Isaiah Silva's daughter? Isaiah Silva apparently oh. has a daughter named Arlo from a previous relationship. It's oh. a tough name for a little girl. Arlo um, Silva? Yeah. Or Arlo at all. Oh, yeah. I always think of Arlo Guthrie, I guess. Oh. Um, and apparently, in addition to all those claims, Isaiah Silva said that Sam Lefty was providing um, drugs to Courtney Love and Francis Bean Cobain, um, and that Ross Butler, who was on the TV show Riverdale, in addition to being on 13 Reasons <laughs> Why, acted as a courier for the illicit drugs, um, and he couldn't be questioned by police because he fled to Canada. Um, representatives have not responded. Huh. Yeah. And Silva's basis for claiming the guitar, aside from, I guess, um, using it as leverage, I guess using his leverage to not, well, it wouldn't have been leverage for him, but he said that um, Francis Bean Cobain gave it to him as a gift, so he should get to keep oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Um, and she insisted that it should be kept in her family, but um, judge found otherwise. So, oh, so she didn't actually, so she gave it to him as a gift while they were married. I believe so. So she, was, she didn't give it to him to basically say, go away, I want to be divorced from you now. No. Okay. Um, so. But I did read that he wasn't getting spousal support somewhere. I think well the the guitar is valued at like many many millions of dollars and under California community property law unless she signed some document to the contrary whatever money she inherited from her dad would not but, be considered yes. community property mm -hmm. which I would guess even though she is a model and an artist is where most of her money comes from yeah. so he couldn't get access to that so yeah Ross Butler looks like he's secretly Asian so uh, secretly Asian because his name is Ross Butler, and that's, oh, that's not fair. like you don't think, oh yeah, Asian person has that name. So that's what we refer to as secret Asian. <laughs> Got it. He has a, um, in the article that I read, he's wearing quite a uh, interesting plaid tuxedo oh. jacket. Um, so yeah, that's Isaiah Silva, divorce law. Now he's saying that Courtney Love plotted to kill him. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, based on Sam Lefty's involvement in the Britney Spears debacle, it wouldn't surprise me if he was uh, getting drugs for Courtney Love. But other than that, this whole story sounds completely nuts, and I don't know... Uh, although Courtney Love I was going is to a say, little unhinged, I was so... Gonna, I don't necessarily think that it's past her to do it, but I think that other people in her life would talk her out of it, because I could see that she would be so upset and angry that... Um, yeah, and it also seems like you could have done this. I mean, Courtney Love, despite all of her troubles, I think is still quite a wealthy woman. Like, couldn't she have just mm -hmm. hired somebody yeah. and steal the freaking guitar back? Or why can't they just pay him off? <laughs> like, that too, yeah. Um, I mean, it seems, he, I don't know, he seems, at least based on the news coverage of him, we don't know Isaiah Silva. That's true. He seems like a petty, shitty person, mm -hmm. so there may not have been enough money in the world to buy him off because this was a way to hurt uh, Francis Bean. But. So Francis Bean and Courtney, are they not estranged anymore? Because they used to it be, It goes right? back and forth. Okay. Yeah, they may not be estranged right. <laughs> anymore. There was a period of time where I think she was, Francis Bean was living with Kurt Cobain's mom um, away from Courtney Love. I don't think Courtney Love has a good relationship with Kurt Cobain's family. Okay. Um, so 
I do believe that she and her daughter are back in Got it. contact. Um, so yeah, that's a crazy story. Stay tuned because <laughs> like facts, like anything coming out of that case is just going to be fascinating. Um, three minute warning. Uh, we just one update really. Uh, Allison Mack of the Nexium um, sex cult scandal and Smallville and Smallville. <laughs> uh, there was a um, she gave an interview to New York Magazine. New York Times oh, magazine. Oh, New York Times magazine. Yes. Um, I can't remember. I think it was prior to her arrest, but the yeah. story has is just coming out now. Yes. So she basically mm-hmm. tell says in this during when she's interviewed for this um, article that it was her idea to brand uh, the sex slaves in the Nexium cult. Mm-hmm. She says, and I quote, "I was like, y'all, a tattoo. I don't know if she's southern, but she says y'all." Uh, people get drunk and tattooed on their ankle, BFF or tramp stamp, Mac is quoted as saying, I have two tattoos and they mean nothing. So uh, essentially that the branding would mean something more like significant, something deeper. Uh, as we've talked about previously, the brand is of uh, Keith Ranieri and Allison Mack's like initials sort of intertwined. Um, and it all goes to like subjugating the set slaves and uh, marking them as like you know slaves in their weird Nexium cult. So while on the one hand convincing people to get their skin branded is not illegal, um, it certainly seems to be evidence coming from her own mouth that she was kind of compelling people to be engaged in this uh, this cult. Yeah, know, that they're... Potentially was... brainwashing them, and that would alleviate the consent, and then I guess it could be termed as assault and battery that they burned their initials onto these folks. Yes. Or, I mean, and it just adds to the craziness of it, and I think it probably just takes one person to be like, I was being held there against my will, and it goes from being a weird commune to a sex cult, and... <laughs> And none of it's good. No, so none of it she is probably good. should not have given this interview. Yeah, probably not. I'm, I'm assuming this was many, like, a, a while ago. I mean, because... Yeah, once the... I don't think the story has been published yet. There are kind of... Usually what will happen is um, excerpts of the story will be released mm-hmm. a couple days ahead of time, and then the magazine, for New York Times, the magazine comes out on Sundays. Well, I mean, I guess technically sh- all of the stuff went down within the last few months, so she could have given the interview like six months ago or something, right? Right, because this cult, Nexium has been around for quite some time. Yeah, and people just haven't too. started getting in trouble yeah. until pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, so that's really it for three minute warning. Uh, I'm going to slide it over to Burke for an update for in reality TV students. So real quick, just giving y'all a heads up for something you might want to watch this week. Wednesday night, we will finally get the footage of. Countess Luann de Lesseps D'Agostino uh, being arrested for breaking into the wrong hotel room in Palm Beach over New Year's of last year um, when she went back to the scene of the crime. And by the crime, I mean her marriage to her seven month marriage to Tom D'Agostino, who is affectionately referred to as Tom Gristides because both D'Agostino and Gristides are uh, grocery stores in New York. So it's a funny inside New York joke. Anyway, um, the uh, this week's episode of Real Housewives of New York, we get to see what happened. Somehow they got footage from inside the police car because in the preview for next week, we see Luann in like night vision video shouting that she's going to kill everybody, including the police officer standing right outside the car door. And then she slips out of her handcuffs and tries to flee. And then the cop kind of throws her back into the car which is not a great look, but she was being pretty belligerent. Um, and she did threaten to kill everybody. And, you know, I don't support police police brutality against anyone, but it was a little refreshing to see, like, a white lady getting kind of pushed around and not just violence being perpetrated on people of color, for whatever that's worth. Although I didn't really like the New Jersey uh, cop punching that woman at the beach. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that was bad. That was real bad. Um, even having been to a number of New Jersey beaches in my time, like that, there are crazy people out there, but that behavior is never called for. Um, so yeah, should be, should be thrilling. We got kind of a lead up in this week's episode where Luann kept saying like, I'm going, I'm flying to West Palm beach for Christmas. I'm going to spend it with my brother in Jupiter, Florida. And you can tell people from this bad idea because she got married down there last new year's to a man who she's subsequently divorced from. 
but uh, I don't think anybody could have expected it was going to go this badly. No, I don't. Yeah, that is. And then you get to see they have footage from her, the hearing she had where the judge was That's basically right. like, her. Um, yeah, like, I don't know that you have a drinking problem, but you should stop drinking. <laughs> stop drinking. And she looked terrible. Although her mugshot looked pretty good considering what a hot mess she'd been and that she got kind of like clotheslined by a cop prior to getting to the police <laughs> department. Um, so, yeah, for those of you who have any interest in um, seeing some follow-up on this, 9 p.m. Wednesday, bravo, check it out. Does Andy Cohen do, like, the show afterwards anymore? Or? He does. He actually did. I have not watched this, which is shocking. He did, like, a sit-down interview with Luann after oh. the arrest happened back in the... Um, probably like early late winter how have you not watched this because i don't have cable anymore so uh, i would have to like go seek it out and i just forgot okay. now i'm not sure i don't know what search terms enter into my xfinity to, um, oh, to find out. it it probably is on lives on youtube somewhere right probably she's very contrite then i don't know that she continues to be mm, so much um, yeah, should be exciting. So <laughs> tune in. We are not sponsored by the Real Housewives or Bravo. Yeah, no, we've given lots of um, plugs for lots of networks today. Like it would be nice to get some of that endorsement money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it from us. Um, so thanks for listening. If you want to um, reach out to us, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at ufr underscore bg. Check out our website under further review. Um, dash bg.com or um, email us at underfurtherreview.bg at gmail.com thanks so much we'll see you next week or hear you you'll hear us next week i don't know bye bye <laughs>